Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is a clinical social worker, Mrs. Chandra Chester. Thank you for joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me. First of all, how's everything going with the quarantine? <laughs> Listen, uh, quarantine's been very interesting. Um, you know, being a social worker and working with a lot of people with anxiety and things like that, but at the same time, trying to make sure I maintain my own mental stability while being trapped in the house. What, what about kids? You got kids? I have, at home, I have a four and a half year old and a 17 month old as of today. Ah, uh, so no right. school. With the four and a half year old, we're doing homeschool with the four and a half year old. She has a uh, schedule for the whole day, first part of the day and second part of the day. That includes academics, creative time, um, breaks, outdoor time art like specials like art foreign language music yeah it's uh pretty intensive (laughs) (laughs) so you did you like was it hard to create the schedule or i will be honest i can take no credit for the schedule that was my wife okay so what she did was she took what they did already at her preschool and then modified it based on some things she found online oh wow okay man this I'll be honest, my it's me and my daughter, um, me and my wife been, we've been kind of like tag teaming. Man, it's been rough. Like <laughs> that's my, the only way to do it. I know. And I'm just and I'm having a hard time just managing one personality, one student, and they have to, you know, they have to do like 18 to 25. Mm. So man. But let's get into this clinical thing. So you said you were a clinical licensed worker, clinical? Licensed clinical social worker. So LCSWC. So what does that entail? So basically, it means I have a master's level degree in social work and that I've done two years of working underneath for somebody's supervision. And once I complete that two years of that work and having direct contact with clients, I can then sit for an exam that would allow me to work independently. So I, I have a private practice um, in addition to being a vice president at an outpatient mental health clinic. And so it allows me to have that private practice. Without that clinical license, I wouldn't be able to have my own practice. Is there a specific age group you deal with? I used to deal with them all, but as I've been in the field for a long time, because I got my master's in 06. So I used to work a lot with adolescents, kids, but it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of time to really work with kids who can't really conceptualize a lot of the things that you're trying to say. And so I now only work with 18 and up. Okay. So so it's a little easier to work with adults? It's not not that it's, I love, it's just that it takes less energy because with kids, you got to get down on their level. You know, it's a lot of play involved. Um, And so as you as you age in this field, you know, you can get to what you call burnout. So to prevent burnout, I say, okay, what can I do where it won't necessarily exert a whole bunch of my energy, but I don't have to spend so much time planning out my sessions um, and still be able to show up and do a good job. So I walked away from the kid part of it. Okay. How, how do people get referred to you? Um, a lot of my referrals actually come word of mouth or I'm, I have a page on psychology today dot com where people in any zip code if you're looking for like a therapist psychiatrist you can go in there put on your zip code what insurance you have 
what you want your therapist to specialize in and you can find somebody in your area to see. So I pay for a subscription for that every month and I get referrals from there. I also am connected with several EAP services, employee assistant programs. And so for employees who have some issues, they'll send me referrals and I'll see them for a short period of time. And sometimes they'll continue on as clients. The, um, the burnout you were talking about, is that something that you've ever suffered from? Absolutely. When I first got in the field, uh, when I first got in the field, there was no turn off. I was on 24 seven. Wow. So I would, when I, it's that compassionate side of me, like you want to fix everything, right? And you have to learn as a social worker, it's not your job to fix, it's your job to empower people to fix their own situation. But back then I used to leave my house at one o'clock in the morning, go pick up a client, take them to the hospital because they're not doing well and they need to be admitted or they don't have a home, ride home from the hospital. I would get up, go take them home. I was dreaming about my clients, mm. um, you know, buying groceries, doing all these things. And what slowed me down was I kept having these symptoms like headaches. And one time I actually lost my vision uh, temporarily. It was only for like a couple minutes. But when I went into the doctor's office, they were like, it's stress. Wow. And so when I was in school, they didn't talk about self-care, taking care of yourself, making sure you have that work-life balance, really. You know, they just talked about ethics of don't sleep with your clients, don't take any money, don't, don't mess with any of their family members. That was a focus. And so I had to learn to incorporate self-care so that I could have more of a work-life balance. Um, so, because so many people like, you know, so many people coming to you for guidance mm -hmm. and, 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 and like to get them through their situation and help them. So do, do you guys, who do you guys turn to? Well, I believe that all therapists should have a therapist. Um, that's my firm belief because I can't sit across from you and tell you, you need to come in and work on your stuff or have somewhere to go if I'm not doing the same thing. So I encourage all therapists to have their own therapist. That's number one. And to have a solid self-care regimen. Before COVID-19, my self-care consisted of voice lessons. So that was my way to decompress every week. And I'm a avid karaoke lover. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot of my self-care had to do with going and singing, music. Um, I have my own karaoke equipment at home. So I can do that. Um, spending time with friends. I'm a very social person. So having that social engagement, that's, that's how I um, take care of myself. That and I'm a firm believer in belly breathing like sort of like meditative breathing that helps kind of center me, help me stay present and stay grounded. When you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned that you, you was like, it was 24 seven. You never was able to turn it off. Like how many years or like how many, how long into your career did it take you to realize, you know what, I have to find a way to turn this off. I would say honestly, probably about three years. And that's because I started getting mentors who who helped me understand that yes you can have all this compassion for your clients but what about the compassion for yourself you know what about leaving something left over for you for when you get home um and just understanding how stress works on the body and the organs and takes time off our life so once i started shifting into my focus 
then I learn different techniques even for myself that I utilize with my clients as well. And I always tell them, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I haven't done myself. What is the demo, what is the demographics of your client base typically? Interesting enough, it has shifted. Um, previously I was getting, uh, before switching from kids, I would get a lot of kids, but I had a lot of, uh, African-American women. Now I have women, I have men, I have couples, I have, gay, straight, bi, uh, I have them all. White, black, they all come to me. Now, you, you mentioned earlier you have a wife. So and you mentioned like some of your, um, your, your um, clients, well, I'm sorry, patients, because that's, that's a better term, patients. They oh, may be- clients. Oh, them. clients, okay. Yep. If you, you, you mentioned gay, like because you yourself are married to a woman, do you think they feel more comfortable coming to you because of that? I would say yes. And I, I think because like, if you go to my psychology today page, I'm not what, what you call a passer. So one would assume based on my physical appearance that I'm a part of that community. Okay. So my pic in my picture, I'm in a suit and a tie. Yeah. The one that's on your Facebook page. Correct? Right. Right. Okay. So if you look at that picture, either I'm an eclectic dresser or or I'm part of the community. Okay. So a lot, of, a lot of people find comfort in, and they search for black queer therapists. And sometimes it's hard to find those two things, right, together. You can find a black therapist that might not necessarily be queer, or you can find a queer therapist that might not necessarily be black. Okay. And so, so there's a lot of um, people who search specifically for that. Now, I'm looking at, as I look at that picture, was that important to you to actually put out that you actually a part of LGBT and you're African-American? Is that why you chose the tie for that picture? Well, I wear ties a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wear ties a lot. I'm a, I, I've always loved to wear ties, but um, I did a photo shoot for my 40th birthday. And so I wanted, I wanted new headshots. And for me, that picture shows compassion, but yet also gives uh, a sense of strength. So I can hold, I can hold your issues. I can hold your problems. I'm not going to bend, break, or fall apart as a female provider, you know, with what you have going on. How, how important is it to, when you're going into therapy, because I think we both agree, it was, up until recently, it was pretty taboo in the Black community just to even seek out therapy. So how important do you think it is that, to have a therapist that looks like you and can identify better with you per se? Well, I think it really depends on where you come from and how you relate to people, if that makes any sense, like your, your experience as a young person. Um, for instance, when I was an undergrad, my therapist was an older white lady. Was that by right? choice? Nope. It wasn't by choice. It was who was available and whoever I and who would you know who I found at the time. So, so when like, you saw her, when you saw her, um, so your initial reaction were you immediately comfortable? I mean, kind of. Let me let me back up. When you were you seeking out seeking out a black therapist? Yes, yes. At that particular time, I was just seeking out anybody. Um, I had a lot of depression issues in undergrad, and at that particular time, it was just important for me to get to somebody. And so um, 
that was a somebody who was available, but it, at that particular time, it was a perfect person for me. Okay. Um, I'm from the Eastern shore of Maryland, Cambridge, Maryland, grew city. Okay. Um, and so, you know, definitely experienced a lot of racism, things like that, but I, I was also able to flow in different environments. Right. Um, so growing up and even now my best friend is white. So for me, it wasn't necessarily hard to flow between, between, even though in colleges when I recognize, and people laugh when I said this, but I recognize my blackness attending a primarily white institution. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Right. So that experience helped me understand the importance of connections with people that look more like me. Not saying I don't connect with other people, but there's something about connecting with somebody that looks like me. I think it should yeah. be an option. Like people should have the option. They shouldn't have to only have therapists that don't look like them. Now, going now, how did you even find the strength to even, you know, to come to the decision? Like, you know what, I'm going because you know people battle depression every day. They battle a lot of things, but they never seek the professional help. So how did you not only come to the decision to seek professional help, but had the strength to actually go through with it to get the help? Um, I think for me, it was, it, it came down to life or death situation. Wow. So it was either go to therapy and live or not go to therapy and probably not live. Man. So that, that, and so with that, I have really good friends um, my freshman year, it was my freshman year in college. I had really good friends who encouraged me, um, who made sure I got the therapy. I would ride my bike from Salisbury University down to, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Salisbury. Uh, not too much. Okay. I heard of the school, but not the so area. Probably, I would probably ride my bike about three, four miles of therapy twice a week. Okay. And does that ever, like depression, does that ever go away or you just learn how to manage it? Um. I, I was just saying this to my client earlier. I don't like the word manage because manage means that um, it's to me, manage sounds like a band-aid, right? So what I've learned to do was work through what I had going on at that moment, right? Deal with the feelings and work through it. So for me, do I live like being depressed? No. However, I know that because I have a history of depression, I have to make sure to take care of myself so that that doesn't come back um, later in life. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Has this, has this, because you said you like to go out, you mm-hmm. more of an extrovert. So has this COVID-19 situation kind of triggered any depression for you? Listen, okay, let me tell you something. The first two weeks, a week and a half, at least week and a half to two weeks, um, I was just not myself. I was very lethargic. Uh, I slept a lot. My appetite was off. I was moody. Um, but I was able to recognize that it was a depressive episode. Okay. Right. Um, because all the things that I put in place to take care of myself, I now could not participate in. Ah. Right. Mm. Um, the positive thing is I do have a therapist. And so I just blatantly said, like, I'm having a depressive episode. I need to figure out how to survive in COVID. 
And I couldn't even contact my clients to set up telehealth appointments during that first week and a half because I was not in a space to be able to do what we call hold space for them. I had nothing to give them. And so what I do for my clients is what is called holding space. So in order to hold space, I have to be grounded and present in my space, my own space to be able to hold space for them. So to take on what they have, I have to have space for it. And at that particular time, I had no space for it. How did it make you feel knowing that you couldn't do what you, what you felt like you, you know, that you normally do, like you're normally able to give to them and take on their problems, but you wasn't in this situation. How did it make you feel? Well, I just remember, and it's just remembering that I'm a human being, right? I have, I have, I'm going to have moments, um, uh, where I'm not going to be able to be on and just allow myself some grace around that, you know, being kind to myself in those situations and, but not sit in it, feel whatever I'm feeling, but then figure out what are you going to do to be able to get back some semblance of normalcy to where you can at least function. Cause I have little kids, right? I got little kids. Um, I have clients that depend on me. So I had to really dig deep to figure out what can I put in place to be okay so that I can show up for them completely. How important is it to have, because you mentioned you have a wife and you have a kid. So I would consider that a support system. How important is that to you? A support system? Mm-hmm. Um, a support system is extremely important. I will tell you this. Uh, I have this, I can sometimes have this Superman complex. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm learning to allow people to be more of a support to me. Um, Was so, that hard? Was that hard to do? Listen, number one, I'm a Leo. That's, I, that's number All I know about the Scorpios, because that's my wife in the Aquarius. So. Got you. Well, <laughs> Leo's, we rule the jungle. We don't, we direct. We don't need direction. We don't need you to assist. We assist. We're the providers and we take care of, you know. And so I had to learn and I'm grateful for uh, my friend Shane Bell because uh, two years ago, March, I lost my dad. And that's what I really had to accept help from Sorry to hear about your dad, by the way. Appreciate it. So that that's when that's when I recognized that, you know, my cake wasn't as ironclad as I thought it was. Right. And so learning to rely on other people, friends and um, stuff like that. Yeah, that, I'm sure that's a mm. yeah, just like just being able to step back and, and accept help. Yeah, I'm sure that's to, especially when you like you say if you if you're the one that's normally the strong one and giving direction and and needing somebody else, yeah, I'm sure that could be difficult. Absolutely, but I had I had several friends who were basically like, "Listen, you got to let me be here for you. You you always there for everybody else, whether it's your family, your clients, us. Like, let me be there for you." So it was challenging, but. <laughs> Yeah. Now, because of this, because of COVID, um, you probably do, you do, do you do more of your appointments now by phone or by 
interface like Zoom and stuff, correct? All my appointments are via video uh, conference like Zoom or um, I have a, I just switched electronic health records so I can do video appointments through that. Um, so yeah, all of them are through video now. So now that, now that we're going through this, because everybody says, you know, things going to look different from now on. Can you, do you think this is something you could do now? Like change the way you do things going totally this direction? I would not want to go totally uh, virtual. I would adjust if I had to, but for me, there's something about that face-to-face exchange of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've gotten a few new clients since this COVID situation and adjusting to building that rapport via the computer is a little bit different than if we're in the room together. How do you think, why, why, why do you think? Because I feel like the way you exchange energy is different, right? Like I'm real big on if you're around somebody and you, you have this genuine energy about you that it can be felt, right? Like sometimes you can just be around somebody and it just feels like an elevation or just feels like a certain comfort for me anyway. And so I feel like my physical presence provides a sense of comfort and safety for many. I work with a lot of clients who've suffered from some sort of trauma. Most of my clients have anxiety or some sort of trauma history. And so, uh, making sure that they feel safe to share whatever it is they need to share. I feel like that physical allows me to do that. Communicated that, wow, this, uh, this internet is a lot more tougher than what I thought. It's okay. No, no, I'm saying is any, any, of your, any of your clients, have they communicated that, communicated that to you? The, the struggle that uh, as far as connection? No, not connection. Well, yeah, just because you said you like to be in a room with them. So, they may feel the same way, but they don't have that physical access to you. They only have Zoom or whatever you, whatever internet you use, whatever internet platform you're using. So have they actually communicated that, wow, this is a lot tougher because I don't have you like within my space? Because you just said like being in that room with them provides comfort for them. So have they communicated that? Like this is more tougher doing it via FaceTime or whatever they're choosing to do? Now I do have a couple clients who, who said, I'm going to ride this out until this is over. I don't want to do video appointments. Wow. Uh, and so my only thing to them was if something comes up where you can't handle it or manage it, make sure you give me a call um, instead of trying to deal with it by yourself and just reviewing what the techniques that they have been provided um, so that they can rely on those if something comes up and it's triggering for them. But there's a couple who... We're just like, I can't do this video stuff. I need to be in the room. Man, that's, that's tough. What did you, you mentioned that you had to make some adjustments like for your mental care, your physical care. Like what are some of the new things that you're doing? Okay. So uh, I found, I do Zoom karaoke. <laughs> and, <laughs> 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 and then somebody put me on to this app called Shmuel. S-M-U-L-E, and I can record myself singing the tracks. I can invite other people to do duets or group numbers with me. Um, so, so those are two things. I also 
get on the house party app. I found an awesome spades app that I play spades with my friends and family with. And I just make sure to speak frequently to, to different friends um, throughout the day. Honestly, I, I have several text chat groups. Mm-hmm. And when we wake up in the morning, it's good morning. It's we're talking throughout the day. So basically from day to night, I'm communicating with somebody. Now you again, you mentioned you had your own depression issues, your own your own mental health issues, but you've been able to manage them and overcome them and continue to daily. Do you feel like that's helped you become a better therapist? I absolutely believe that my life experience plays a part in my ability to hold space for the clients to step in my room. The compassion, the empathy, being able to, um, when they have that regression, not having that frustration, but remembering, hey, you know, that's a part of the process and just thinking about my own regression. And sometimes I even appreciate that clients show up as a mirror for me in the room, meaning maybe it's something that I forgot about that I might need to do a little bit more work around, or maybe I'm in a funky mood and I don't even recognize it and something they say triggers, oh, snap. Yeah, you need to go home and spend some time with that. I do a lot of journaling, breathing and stuff like that, which helps work through whatever comes up, you know? even with dealing with COVID. Now, the next phase of your career, what does it look like? Um, How long will you continue to do do what you're doing in this capacity? Is there like something you're looking forward to doing next? Or is this kind of like, you just want to continue to grow in the position you're in now? Well, what I would like to do is go from having a private practice where it's just me to expand into a group practice where I have other providers um, working at the practice and providing services. I'd also like to have a nonprofit component where I can do some nonprofit things for transitional age youth. So youth to ages from 16 to 25. Um, My aunt's who both had two of them who both have uh, doctorate degrees. They want me to go back to school. I'm considering it. If I can get things in a direction that uh, I can get them in, then my goal is to become certified in mind body medicine and, and possibly get my PhD in, in mind body medicine and maybe like um, nonprofit agency or whatever the case may be, but definitely around the mind body medicine realm of things. Man. So when are you, when are you, is there a time take? Cause that's a lot going back to get your doctor. Is there a time take on that decision? Or it's kind of like, uh. well, if I can get things the way I want them, um, by the end of 2020, I would consider sometime in 2021 at the latest 2022, if I'm going to do it. Cause I, I don't, I, I tell people all the time, I've really had enough of school, but I love, I love mind body medicine. And if it will help me elevate to the next level and be able to help people even more, then I would take the time to do that. Does, how does the, how, how's the, the, cause you, you mentioned you got two kids, a wife, 
And you know, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of time to achieve that goal. So how does that impact your decision? Um, it has a lot to do with, I actually have four kids, but two of them are older. So oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they go, I don't want them here to interview and think I'm leaving them out. No, they, but, but um, they really <laughs> wouldn't impact it too much though. Cause they, they on their own doing their own right, thing. Right. They doing their own thing. But, um, well, well, it's been it's been a conversation, so we'll see what that looks like because I I don't want to be the only one pursuing things that I want to do. If that's something that she decides she wants to do, I want her to have that opportunity too because I'm already doing a private practice realm and working on a nonprofit. If she decides she wants to go back to school, then I would let her go ahead and uh, go back to school. Now, my daughter does say, she calls me Ama. She does say, Ama, you work all the time. You know, I play with mommy. Mommy plays with me. You go to work, 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 work. <laughs> uh. So yeah, she hits me. She hits me in the heart with that one sometimes. So I try to make the time we do spend together count. That's one thing I'm thankful for for this COVID situation is that I'm really getting to spend a lot of quality times with the kids outside of when it's homeschool time. Because to me, that's just that's not necessarily quality time. That's oh, frustrating it. time. But no. right. So <laughs> I, I get to do like regular movie nights and uh, can you go outside with me and I go ride my bike or can we go for a walk? I get to do those things now that I wouldn't normally get to do because I'm, I have wear multiple hats. You, you think this in a, in a, in a, in a, in a kind of weird way has given you like a, a, a like an energy boost like just when like when things open back up we're assuming they will like when things open up and get what we call normal like you'll have a little more energy because you've had more time with the family and you've been able to just to be able to practice in a different way what i can tell you is i'm i'm not a religious person i'm a spiritual person and you know just being connected with the universe and all those things and i feel like this was an opportunity. The universe is saying like, you guys need to slow it down. You're doing too much, right? Mm. You're doing too much. You're taking too much, like slow down, let the world heal itself. Um, and then be respectful and mindful when you come back out. So for me, I've already became energized. The stuff that I've been ignoring, uh, procrastinating around, I am killing it right now during COVID. Okay. So for me, when we open back up, all those th things that I'm putting in place should already be ready to rock and roll. Okay. Now, the if there's a person listening to this interview that may have some type of mental issues, depression, whatever it may be, what would be some advice you would give them to help them get through it? What I would say is, there's many options, whether you have insurance, don't have insurance to have somebody to talk to. Like I know in our community, it's taboo to get help. But what I can tell you is that getting that help has changed my life and helping the people that come to show up in my office virtually or, or physically, their lives have become better for it. So I would say all it takes is a little bit of courage to dial that number to essentially change the trajectory of your life. Like you get to decide whether or not you want to stay in that space or whether or not you want to get better. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but I promise you, if you give it a chance, it would absolutely change your life. 
I want to take this time to thank you for doing this. Um, <laughs> you got the homeschooling, you got a private practice. So I know time is not exactly on your side, even though you home, it's still, things still got to get done. So I truly appreciate you taking the time to do this. No problem. I had fun. Thanks for having me. Um, would, before we, before we end the conversation, would you like to tell anyone, tell everyone how they could follow you, um, like on social media or anything? Absolutely. So right now I have a Facebook page. You can look up Chester Clinical Practice and Consulting LLC on Facebook. I'm working on my Instagram page. If you have any additional questions, you can reach out via email to info at chesterclinicalpractice.com. I say email because phone can be a little difficult when I'm seeing clients all day, but I will definitely email you back. So that's info at chesterclinicalpractice.com. And you can put in Chester Clinical Practice on Facebook and get me that way as well. Okay. Um, before I go, I want to thank my special, uh, my sponsor's special, Gen Fly. First Gen Fly, I'm sorry. Let me back up. My sponsor's first Gen Fly. And also a special thank, thanks to my good friend and your good friend as well, Mr. Shane Bell, because he's the one who introduced us. So thank you, Shane, man. I truly appreciate it. Um, we're going to end the episode. Thank you all for listening. You all have a great day.